to the, um, to the, the messages leading up to this one, but I've, I've looked at the text that, that you kind of have gone through, and I detect a theme. Uh, if you actually go back to Mark chapter 4, uh, there's some teaching in the first half of Mark 4, but then after that, up until the text right now, there's a series of four events that Mark records that has a theme to it. Uh, for, and it's really, the theme is all about uh, the power and authority of Jesus. First, you got Jesus calming the storm in the second half of Mark chapter 4. Demonstrates uh, the, authority of, the power and authority of Jesus over nature. Then, you've got that story where Jesus cast those demons out of that guy, the thousand, the legion, into that, the pigs. Demonstration of his power and his authority over the demonic. And then you've got this account, I think you looked at last week, where this woman has this uh, ailment that she's been in bondage to for, for 12 long years. And the text says that as she reaches out and touches his robe, that Jesus felt power leave his body and heal her, a demonstration of his power and authority over illness. And then, at the end of the text that you looked at last week, uh, Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead, a demonstration of Jesus' power and authority over death itself. And so, in all these accounts leading up to uh, tonight's text, it's Jesus' power and authority over nature, over the demonic, over illness, and sickness and over death itself. So that's the context kind of leading up to uh, the text that we're in uh, right now, Mark 6, verses 1 to 13. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. I have to click the clicker. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That's an awesome screen. Uh, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? So they're wondering about his power and his authority. Where did it come from? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brothers, uh, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his home. He could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Like, if that's not a miracle, I've always kind of been puzzled by that verse. Uh, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Uh, oh, did I skip this part? He said he was amazed at their lack of faith. Did you know that this is one of two places in the entire New Testament where it actually says Jesus was surprised by something. He, it says he's amazed. Other translations say he, he marveled at their unbelief. Anybody know what the... There's one other place where he's surprised. It uses the same word. Anybody know what it is? Was it in the Roman officers? Yep, you got it. The other place is the Roman centurion, this pagan background Roman general guy, centurion, uh, exercises amazing faith. He says to Jesus, you don't even have to come. Just say the word, and I know it will be done. I'm a man of an authority. I understand authority. He believed the power and authority of Jesus. And Jesus said, I am amazed 
Uh, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. So isn't that interesting? He's, uh, he's amazed at, uh, sorry, he's, he's amazed at, uh, at the faith of this uh, centurion, and he's amazed at the unbelief of his own people. I'm not sure what that means. I just thought it was a really cool thing. Uh, so next verse. Uh, so that, then moving into the second half of the, our text for tonight, and this is really what I want to pick up on this evening. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for your journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So, again, in the context of these four events leading up to tonight's text, Jesus' power and authority in those events over nature, over the demonic, over sickness, and over death itself. And, and now, as we move into tonight's text, it's the same theme. It's the power and authority of Jesus, but now it's been delegated to his disciples as he sends them out to, do, to preach the kingdom and do the works of the kingdom. And I would argue that he, by extension, he gives that same authority and commission to us uh, to proclaim the kingdom and to do the works of the kingdom as he sends us out to do that. And so what I thought we might just do this evening, because you're, there's this kind of this broad theme of the power and authority of Jesus that you've been going through, and now it being imparted, delegated to his followers to continue that mission that he had, that maybe we could just take a little pause here and let's talk tonight about healing uh, and miracles. Because And now, healing and miracles can be a controversial topic. So let me just tell you exactly where I'm coming from here. Uh, you know, some there are some churches that would teach that it's Jesus' will for everybody to be healed and if you're prayed to be healed and you're not healed, uh, then you just didn't have enough faith. And uh, I don't believe that. And, and if you've ever been prayed for and you were made to feel like you didn't have enough faith if it didn't happen, I, I just feel for you that is wrong. Uh, that's spiritual abuse. Um, I don't believe that's right. Uh, on the other hand, there's other churches who believe that uh, that impartation of, of miracles and healing was just for the apostles. And, and it was to kind of validate their resurrection witness and to kind of jumpstart the church, and that when the last apostle died, miracles and healings ceased. And that too, though, I don't see any evidence of that anywhere in the Bible at all. Rather, I, I, I see really the opposite. I see Jesus telling his disciples, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, it's, and they're not going to be the ones finishing that. It's going to continue on. And the, but he, then he says, don't go yet. Wait until you're clothed with power from on high. You need the power and the authority of, of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not, it's not our authority, not our power. It's Jesus, but he, he gives it to us so that we can operate in his name and according to his will. And, and, and that, I don't believe, is just for the apostles because we, we also see evidence in scripture of people other than the apostles in the book of Acts doing miracles. And we also, even in the gospel of Mark that you're in, the very end of Mark uh, says uh, this, this says this. What do I point at here? Is this working? 
All right, I'll just tell you. Go to the next one. Um, Mark 16, verse 15 to 18 says this. Very end of the book of Mark. He said to them, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Uh, these signs will accompany those who believe. You know, through we are preaching. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will place their hands on sick people and they will uh, get well. And so they're right there at the end of Mark. There's, there's this evidence of, of other non-apostle disciples, uh, followers of Jesus, you and me type believers uh, doing uh, works of the kingdom. And then we also have the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. He talks about gifts of healing and miracles for the church. There's no evidence in the scripture at all that those ceased at, at any point. And, uh, and yet, um, you know, so I believe from the scriptures that healing and miracles are for the day. But if I'm honest, I have to say, I don't know about you, I don't see miracles of, and, of healing and miracles as, as much as it seems like it happened in the book of Acts. Um, uh, and so I, I just want to be honest about that and kind of grapple with that question. Why is it that we don't see miracles and healings uh, in the same way that it seems they did in the book of Acts? So, so I just want us to wrestle with that a little bit this evening and kind of, and maybe ask the question, maybe there's some things we don't know about healing that maybe we could learn about healing. Now, I'm no expert. I have a lot of questions. There's, there's a lot of question marks in my healing category of my uh, uh, folder notebook, but I have seen enough to, 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 and experienced enough to, to believe that miracles and healings really do happen today. And I'll give you one example. Uh, years ago, just after seminary, I, was, uh, I, I did this workshop with this, uh, this guy named uh, uh, C. Peter Wagner. He was a missiologist. Um, am I wearing this right? Okay. <laughs> Can you guys hear me okay? Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. Um, this guy named C. Peter Wagner, and he was a fuller seminary professor, missions guy, and he was of this mindset that, you know, Jesus has commissioned us to proclaim the kingdom, but also do the works of the kingdom. And, uh, and, and so he, I think he was kind of coaching on how to pray for people. I don't know what it was. Uh, my, it was my friend's class. I kind of audited with him, just tagged along because he, he had written books and stuff. And then he said, so he wanted to demonstrate praying for someone. And there was someone in the class who had a leg that was longer uh, than the other. And so he was going to pray for this guy up front. And he said, if you want to come up and watch, you can. And so I jetted to the front because I'm all skeptical. And I want to see, is there some smoke and mirrors thing happening here? And I got like right here. Because I just, I just wanted, I was watching him, watching the guy. Just, I wanted to see if anything was going on here. And he prayed for him. And I kid you not, I saw the leg go like, boop, like that. And even to this day, I might still wonder, was that real? Was he a plant? Was there something going on there? If it were not for the fact that I actually heard a story years ago about my grandma, Gaga. I called her Gaga. I actually have a teddy bear that I named Gaga Bear that I used to sleep with. Uh, you didn't really need to know that. Um, but uh, Gaga, uh, Grandma, and, and, and now she had this thing too. She had a leg that was longer than the other. She had to wear different size shoes. So one had heels like this, the other had heels like this. And, and she was not a big, I don't know, Pentecostal type. She was a good Lutheran church lady. And, uh, but she went to this prayer meeting at my church. Now, I wasn't there. I was just a little guy. Uh, my dad stayed home and watched me and my sister 
and my mom took uh, her to this prayer meeting, and uh, I remember them coming home, and I remember the, the screen door flinging open, and her just throwing her shoes into the house. Uh, she had to get totally new shoes. Her leg had grown. Now, you can't fake that. I mean, that was a real demonstration of God's power and that miracles do happen. So I, I know, I've experienced at least enough to know that, that miracles can and do happen, um, but I still have all kinds of questions. And even to this day, when I pray for people to be healed, uh, I do it with fear and trembling. I, uh, there's always this part of me that at, at every single time, it's like, am I, am I just leading them to false hope here? You know, what if nothing happens? Am I going to hurt their faith? Am I going to hurt my faith? I have all kinds of fears around, still you know, praying for, uh, for, for people to be uh, healed. And, uh, and, and so, you know, or what if I look foolish? And so that's kind of my dilemma. I, I've seen at least a few things to know that miracles do happen. I see the scriptures indicate that healing still happen, but I have all kinds of questions and fears of what if nothing happens. And, and so I approach this topic with a great deal of humility. Uh, I, I do still have a lot of questions, but I have learned a few things over the years, and I have searched the scriptures around this. And so what I would just like to leave you with this evening, uh, I was going to almost call them 10, 10 biblical truths about healing. I don't know if I can even do that. I just want to say 10 biblical uh, clues about healing because uh, it's a puzzle there's a mystery with healing. I don't know why everyone doesn't get healed. Uh, there, there's the sovereignty of God, there, there's, there's, but there's also some things from the scriptures to learn. So let's just kind of go through these together. These are just some things I've learned uh, over the years. Uh, so number one, faith is almost always connected with healing. Now, I hesitate to even share that one because I just said there's all, I, there is all kinds of abuse of this. I, I've seen people abuse this that, you know, if you're, you pray for someone, they're not healed, or you just have enough faith. I don't believe that's true. We're going to look at some examples of, from the Scripture where that's not true. So, again, if, if you've ever been under that, uh, just I'm sorry, on beh- as a leader of the church, I ask for your forgiveness. If someone has done that to you, uh, it's wrong. But when you really look at the scriptures about healing, there's some connection between faith and healing. Uh, you cannot get away uh, from that. Uh, it's it's all, over, uh, all over the place, even in our text tonight, right? Jesus goes to his hometown, and the text says he could not do any miracles. Well, except heal a few people, right? But he couldn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. I don't know what to do with that verse. I mean, it might make more sense if, if it was like he, he wouldn't do any miracles because of their unbelief, but it doesn't say that. He says I, he couldn't do any, many miracles there because of their unbelief. There's some connection there between faith and, uh, and healing and miracles. Um, and, uh, and then we also just have uh, the example from last week, uh, the woman who was healed uh, you know, she touched Jesus' robe and power came out and she was healed. Jesus, at the end of that story, says, go, your faith has healed you. So there's a connection. There's a mystery here. I don't get it. Uh, you're, I, there's, there's gonna, we're going to look at examples where, where faith was not, you know, wasn't the reason why someone didn't get healed. And we're going to look at all kinds of other uh, um, um, possible ways things happen. I don't know what I was trying to say there, but... Uh, 
Um, so let's go on. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, faith is not a feeling. So faith is connected to, um, to healings and miracles in some way. There's some part of the equation. Um, but what is faith? Faith is not a feeling. It's based on the object, not how you feel. Um, the reality is that you can, you can have, you know, there was, a, there was a story where Jesus actually, or where the disciples asked Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus told this story, this mustard seed, if you have faith the size of mustard seed, you know, say this mountain, be moved. And, and basically the paraphrase of what Jesus was getting at is faith is not a matter of more or less, but of who. It's not the amount of faith you have, but the object of your faith that is the, the, the difference maker. Uh, there's another story that I love where there's this guy, just to give an example of the timidity that we can have and, and it still be faith. Uh, this guy, he asked Jesus to cast out this demon from his son. If you, he says, if you can, and Jesus goes, if you can, if I can, all things are possible to them that believe, Jesus said. And then this man eagerly responds, I do believe, I do believe, help my unbelief. And I find myself in that place all the time when I'm praying. I do believe, but I don't believe. I do believe, but I help my unbelief. And, and so there's that wavering there. And, and the encouraging thing with that story is what happened. Jesus cast the demon out of that, even with his wavering faith. I believe, I don't, I'm not sure if I believe Jesus still answered uh, his, his plea to heal his son. It's like the story of this two rock climbers. And they're on like an El Capitan type cliff thing and they're, they're climbing. And, and, uh, and, and one of them, you know, they're kind of at a crossroad and, and one of them thinks, well, we've got to go this way. This is the way that we're going to get to the top. It's, this is the safe way. And he's confident. He has great, strong faith. The other guy is timid. He's, I don't know about that. I think it's this way, but I'm really not sure. He's a little scared. He's a little timid. I think it's this way. So they go separate ways. And the one with the strong faith goes this way, puts his hand on a rock, and it falls, and he falls to off the cliff. The other guy timidly, you know, grabs on, I think it's this way, and he's right, and it gets to, he gets to the top. Now, which of the two got saved? The one with the stronger faith or the weaker the faith? The one who believed the right rock, right? It's based on the object of our faith, not how much, not if we're timid about it, not if we're, I don't know, it, it's where is, are we placing that faith and trust, even if it is uh, timidly uh, done so. Um, number three, there's often a physical component in, in praying for, for healing in the Bible. Isn't it interesting? Jesus, most often when he, when he prays for people, he does some physical thing. He lays his hands on someone or he spits in the dirt, and he makes mud, and he rubs it in someone's eye. Even when he just speaks something, you could say the audio waves, the sound waves are traveling through the air, entering the guy's ears. There's some physical dimension uh, to, that God uses in, in doing these physical things like healing. Um, isn't it also interesting that it's like Jesus almost, he never does it the same way twice. He does it all these different ways. Why do you think that is? Anybody? What's that? Yeah, he, he doesn't want us to turn it into like a formula, you know, like if you stand on your left leg and wiggle your ear and, and then that, no. So, so, but yet the pattern is still there. He, he has that pattern of using the physical uh, to do some kind of spiritual uh, thing in the, in the, in the healing. And, and um, 
I don't know why that is. Um, I, I, and there's really two possible reasons. There's probably more. I can think of two. And probably whichever theological stream you are in will probably uh, lead to how you answer this question. And, and either one could be right. I, I, don't, I can't say definitively. I've got my view. Uh, but one possible reason is that there is a sacramental nature to reality. That there's a sacramental nature of the reality. Now, I'm kind of in the Lutheran stream, so we kind of believe that God does use physical things to do spiritual things, like we believe the bread and wine of communion and the waters of baptism are ways that God puts the new life into us. And there may be a piece of that here with laying on of hands and anointing with oil, as James says we're to do, and, and even tree of life in the Garden of Eden, Ark of the Covenant. There's physical things in the Bible that God seems to use to do spiritual stuff. So that's one possible explanation. The other one could be just the psychological power of symbolism. So if you're on the other kind of a stream where you believe like baptism, community, it's symbolic, uh, you know, maybe that's a piece of it too with laying on of hands. Maybe it psychologically produces faith. I don't know. You know, I've got my opinion, you have yours. But the bottom line, it doesn't really matter that we have the pattern of Jesus, the, the example of Jesus in praying for people. We have uh, the example of the apostles as they carry that forward. We have the command of scripture in James. He says, if anyone, is anyone sick? Call the elders and have them anoint uh, with oil and, uh, and for healing. And so, you know, we anoint with oil. Here's my oil. I stole this from the charismatic Catholics in this camp that I was at once. I seriously did. I stole it. And uh, so these are, this is really holy oil from the charismatic Catholics. So if you want to be prayed for, I can do that with you. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I pray for people, I anoint with oil. And I always tell them, I don't know why we do this. I, I don't. But I'm obeying the command of Scripture to anoint to to with oil and pray. I'm, I'm obeying the word of, of God there. Um, so we anoint with oil. So that's number three. There's a, there's, you know, don't have it all figured out, but there's some kind of physical component in praying for healing. Number four, five, four, four. Uh, faith to pray for healing is something that can grow in us over time. Um, you know, faith is not a feeling, but it is a part of the component in some way. In some fashion, it's connected with healing. And, uh, and so we can grow in our faith. And really, isn't that the whole Christian life? To grow in our faith, grow in our confidence uh, in the Lord. And, uh, and prayer for healing can be really a key part of that, growing in faith and, and, str- and gr- strengthening those faith muscles as we pray. And so, so I guess the encouragement here is to, is to you know, you can start small. Uh, if you feel weak in faith, start, you know, in, before trying to pray to raise someone from the dead, just Pray for someone's ingrown toenail or something, you know? Pray for colds before cancer. And as you begin to see answers to prayer, you'll feel your faith strengthen and can pray uh, for, uh, for other things as well. Um, uh, but, you know, faith is also strengthened when we pray and nothing happens, and yet we persist in prayer. And that's the next one. And this next one is really important. Number five, um, healing is not always immediate in the Bible even for Jesus. A few weeks ago, you looked at the passage where Jesus cast these demons uh, out of this guy, right, and into the pigs. Uh, but if you, if you just read the beginning of that story, uh, it, has, it had just said that he, was, he had commanded the demons to leave. They didn't leave right away. There's this pushback. There's this conversation happening. Now, Jesus won, but it were, you, you, there was a process there that took place. 
there's another story where, um, well, it was the one I already mentioned where Jesus talked about where this, uh, you know, there's that's basically this guy had a son whose son was demon-possessed, and, uh, and he actually he first went to the disciples, and the disciples couldn't cast the demon out. And so that's why he came to Jesus and said, if you can, cast it out. He said, if you can, da-da-da. Um, and, and after that event happened, the disciples got together with Jesus, and they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast the demons out? You know? And Jesus' response, well, well, this kind can only come out by prayer. Well, weren't they praying? I mean, what, what does that mean? And I'm not even sure what that means, but it means, some, must mean there was some kind of prayer, pray, maybe a persisting, a pressing in prayer that, that Jesus maybe hopefully further taught them. Uh, actually, one manuscript that we have says, uh, Jesus said, this cannot come out but by prayer and fasting. Uh, and so there, there, there's something, uh, it, it speaks of the, a process. A, it not, doesn't happen uh, immediately. Um, there's another time when Jesus, um, he, he prayed for this guy who was blind, and, uh, and he, he didn't get healed right away. Uh, he asked, open your eyes, can you see? And he says, oh, I see people, but they look like trees. So it's like a partial healing. And then Jesus prayed again, and then he could see completely. So there, again, it didn't happen uh, immediately, even for, for Jesus. And another great example, this has always just puzzled me, but I think it's a good learning example, when Jesus picked the 12 disciples, that was in our text today, but in Matthew's version, it says before he picked the 12 disciples, you know what he did? He spent all night in prayer, listening to his Father, discerning his Father's will. Now, if, if it was always immediate, couldn't Jesus just say, dial in and say, okay, who is it, God? Him, 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 got it. You know, it would just be done like that. But no, Jesus, even Jesus had to persist in prayer all night long to discern the Father's will. And so there, there's, there's that element of, of uh, it doesn't happen right away, even in, the, in our hearing God speak and in uh, the miraculous uh, as well. And one other example, there, Jesus told this parable uh, about the unrighteous judge. Do you remember that one? Uh, there's this unrighteous judge. And Jesus, uh, and, and basically it's this widow, she's, she wants to get justice, and the judge doesn't care about the widow, but she persists and nags and nags and nags until finally he gives up. All right, fine, you can have it. And Luke tells that story, and he prefaces the whole story by saying that Jesus told this story to show us how we should always keep praying and not give up. Now, what is the implication of that? If Jesus were to say that we're to pray and keep praying and not give up, what does that imply? Yeah. That we have faith. That we have faith. Yeah. That's true. What else is I'm Even something more basic, what does that imply? We trust him. No? Well, I mean, that could be. I'll tell you. That, he, that you can expect to pray and have nothing happen. I mean, Jesus expects, you know, if, if we're to persist in prayer and not give up, he's telling us that we're going to be praying for things and we're not going to see things happen immediately. You get it? And so, so that's to persist in prayer uh, is, 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 tells me that it's okay to pray. And don't be discouraged. Don't give up. You know, so often, what do we do? We pray and, well, that didn't work. And so we try something else. But no, Jesus wants us to, uh, to grow those faith muscles by persisting in uh, prayer. So that's number uh, five. 
And uh, then number six, uh, there's a link between discerning God's will and praying for healing. Uh, Jesus once said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I don't think Jesus just went around and healed every single person in Jerusalem. It seems that, that he was really just so in tune with the Father and that as he, he discerned the Father's will, he knew certain people were to be healed. And so, as you know, we've been given the authority and power of Jesus, but Jesus had been given that by his Father. And so, so he was kind of in, in tune with his Father to pray for people. And I think it's a call for us to also, it's, there's prayer involved, there's discernment, and there's a spiritual gift um, that Paul talks about called words of knowledge, another controversial one. We're not going to get into it, but kind of the idea is that, that God, through his spirit, may reveal to you things that you could not know any other way by, about a person, and that sometimes uh, healings are kind of happen through that as God helps you identify certain people to be prayed for. I don't have that gift. My pastor, my Lutheran pastor growing up, had that gift. It was eerie how amazingly accurate, humble guy. Uh, so I've seen the real thing. Um, the closest thing that I've experienced to that is that years ago, uh, my older cousin was dying of cancer. Uh, very aggressive form of cancer she had, and she was a young mother. She had a little three-year-old, and, and she was in a coma for, uh, for six weeks, and the doctors were preparing the husband to take her off life support. They're talking funeral, um, and, I, and this has never happened didn't happen before or since to this degree, but me and my sister both, we just knew she's not supposed to die. She is, she's supposed to be healed. And, and this was not normal for me to have this level of confidence, but she became an advocate in the hospital. So, you know, don't take her off life support. There's hope. And I, during my lunch hour for like six weeks, I drove in L.A. traffic on the 405 freeway and uh, to every Tuesday and Thursday, and I would just, for those six weeks, I just sat at, her foot, at the foot of her bed and I would just hold her swollen feet and just pray for her healing. And uh, long story short, she's alive and well, cancer-free. Her kid just graduated college. And so, uh, so, so there's times when you just know you're supposed to pray for someone and pray with, with confidence. Um, but let me counter that with this next one, number seven. Not everyone gets healed in this lifetime. And let me counter that cancer success story, praying for healing, with this other story. My mom died of cancer when I was 10 years old. And we prayed for her a lot. Uh, I can remember, uh, I can remember as a nine-year-old praying, uh, praying for her. And uh, I remember one occasion, I just, we, you know, I think faith of a child kind of thing. She would have us pray, and I, we put her hand, hand where the pain was, and and, she, and it's like the pain would go away, and then it would pop up in another part of the body. And so we pray over there, and then it'd go away and pop up somewhere else. We were like chasing this pain all over the body. And I wondered years later, was that just a nine, I was a nine-year-old kid. You know, we can make up stuff, you know, in our minds as a nine-year-old kid. So I wondered if that was real. And then I asked my dad a few years ago, and he said, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so apparently that did, uh, that did uh, happen, and yet she eventually did die. Uh, and we, even though we prayed, uh, prayed a lot for her. The reality is not everyone we, we pray for uh, is healed, and like, it's not always because we didn't have enough faith. I'll give you a couple examples here. Paul, in 2 Timothy, uh, he says in his letter, we left Trophimus sick in Miletus. 
What does that imply? Well, I'm sure he prayed for him, but if Paul, you know, the great man of faith, couldn't pray for someone to be healed in that case, uh, so there's examples of, of, of people uh, in the Bible not getting healed. Uh, Paul talks about he had this thorn in his flesh that he asked God three times, take it away from me. We don't know exactly what it is. Some people think it might have been epilepsy, but there was something that ailed him that he prayed to the Lord three times, take it away, and God said no. And he discerned, the Lord speaking to him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So it wasn't God's will for him to be healed and that God wanted to use that to help him grow in some other uh, areas. Um, None of this healing stuff, uh, some people getting healed, others not, makes any sense if this life is all there is. But this life is not all there is The real healing is coming. And that's not a cop-out. That's just reality. All healing is temporary. All healing is temporary. Everyone who is healed of some sickness is eventually going to get sick again. Everyone who was raised from the dead died again. Poor Lazarus. He He gets sick and he dies. Jesus raises him from the dead and he eventually had to go through it all over again. He didn't sick and die. All healing is temporary. Uh, The real healing uh, is coming. Jesus said over and over again, the kingdom of God is near. Uh, It's it's in your midst. It's at hand. But it would not come in its fullness until Christ's return, which is mentioned over 300 times uh, in uh, the New Testament. Uh, When healings do take place, it's almost like a foretaste of the, the kingdom to come. We're getting a little glimpse. It's the already not yet dynamic of the kingdom. It's like, have you guys enjoyed this warm weather the last few weeks? And then there was today, right? It was kind of like a tease. Summer's coming, but no, we're not there yet. And, and that's kind of the way with, when healings take place, it's kind of like the kingdom's coming. In its fullness, it's coming, but it's not there yet. Here's a little glimmer. Here's a little sunshine uh, in the midst of the rainy spring. So that's number seven. And then number eight, praying for healing is part of our mission as the church. Um, Jesus connected the command to go into all the world with also healing people and casting out demons, doing the works of the kingdom as we carry forth the the preaching uh, of the kingdom. Uh, I do think it's not irrelevant that it does seem like more healings and miracles take place on the mission field uh, and, and in our country where there's first order evangelism, meaning where you're actually uh, preaching the gospel, people who are, who are not Christian, they're unchurched, God shows up and does stuff. The purpose of healings and miracles are primarily for, for the proclaiming of the kingdom uh, and, and to, to validate that in certain circumstances as the Lord wills. And I know for myself, um, I haven't experienced a ton of healings or miracles, uh, the, the ones that I really have experienced, um, almost all of them happened during a, a, a three-year period of my ministry where I was exclusively working with people who aren't Christian. Uh, they were unchurched. They were coming to our home every Sunday morning. We, we started a house church to reach out to people who were unchurched. These three families, somehow, that's another story, but started coming to our, our home every week. And it was in that circumstance that I did experience God do something, some miracles. One guy's Casey. He was, uh, 
kind of disconnected. I think he was coming just because his wife was coming, and uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't really tracking. And uh, he was a painter, and so he's going to leave church early to go paint. I said, he had his back issue. And so, can we just pray for your back? And, and so I just got up, and, and I'm not feeling great faith. I don't feel this tremendous faith. Uh, but I just pray, Lord, heal his back. And his back was instantly healed. The pain instantly went away. Uh, another time, Joanne, uh, we, we had Alpha Conference and uh, uh, retreats and uh, prayed for her for arm. And it was um, kind of like, it, she couldn't lift it above this right here. And so I prayed for her. And it seemed like nothing happened. So she left and, and uh, someone else came in and we prayed. And uh, um, am I supposed to be done here? Okay. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and so she left, and I, and I prayed for somebody else. And then about a half hour later, I went into the lunchroom where they're all waiting, and Joanne's like this. And it's like, I don't, what's she doing that for? I'm just not tracking at all. And then it just realized, oh, my goodness, the healing didn't happen immediately, but it happened as she went uh, you know, into this room a, a little bit later. Uh, again, brand-new Christian. Valid, God just has favor on brand-new Christians and wants to show himself real. Uh, another time we were meeting, nobody could come except this one couple for a house church gathering. I think Sandy stayed home with Megan Joy Chernus, who's a little girl. And uh, hi, Megan, love you. That's my daughter right there. I'll tuck you in later. And uh, um, so, so we, uh, I just felt like it was still early on and I had not really, uh, I was supposed to, felt like I was supposed to communicate the gospel to them. And so, and so I just, I shared the gospel with them and Lisa, she was just so, you could just see the hunger in her eyes. And as I finished sharing the gospel with her, she was like, as you just shared that, I got this shrill all through my body. Is this normal? <laughs> and, uh, and I would say, yeah, it's normal. It happens all the time. No, I wish it was normal. But basically, she had an experience, I think, of the Holy Spirit filling her as she latched onto Jesus in faith as the gospel was, was preached to her. Um, so uh, sharing the gospel um, uh, and, and miracles, I think, often, when they do happen, often go hand in hand. And then finally, number nine, desperation is often connected uh, with prayer uh, for healing. The woman that Devante had you look at last week, uh, you know, she, uh, um, you know, this ailment for 12 years, and she, what would compel her to go into this crowd and reach out and touch the robe? And I, I think Devante made a good point that he, she was told, right? Uh, you know, but also, what, what, what drove her? She was desperate. She had totally run out of options. Jairus, whose daughter Jesus raised from the dead, he leaves his dying daughter on her deathbed. To, to Who leaves their dying daughter on their deathbed? I mean, she did die when he left. It's because he was desperate. He had run out of options. And I think that is also a key place where miracles and healings take place when we're at, we've, we're desperate. I think that's why we, there's, we do hear of, seems like more miracles in third world countries where there's fewer options. We have lots of options here. Thank God we do. I mean, thank God for the medical community. Thank God for all that we have. Use it. It's good. Uh, but there's also times when we run out of options as well, uh, don't we? Um, I wrote down this quote. I can't remember who said it. I don't think I said it. It doesn't sound like me, but it's a good quote. The place, probably Devante said it, uh, the place of desperation is the place of holiness, the place where God can act. Let me read that one more time. The place of desperation is the place of holiness, the place where God can act. So, 
as we close, what do we do with this? Well, pray more, I guess. You know, pray for people. Uh, but let me just kind of end on that last note of the desperation piece. Are you desperate for the kingdom of God to go forth and gig harbor with power for people that you know, friends who don't know Jesus, maybe family members who don't know Jesus. Are you desperate for God to move in their lives? Or do you have that kind of angst for them, that heartbeat of God? That's the purpose of God giving us his power and authority to do the works of the kingdom is because he wants us to proclaim the kingdom with power. So a call to be on our knees, um, maybe, call to press in and learn uh, about this whole thing called prayer for healing. And then for you practical types, let me just give you three quick practical-minded things. Um, Get a notebook if you don't have one, a prayer notebook, and just begin writing down things you're praying for. And then as as things get answered, just check it off. That'll help build your faith as you kind of actually see those answers uh, to prayer. Um, And then number two, is practice persistence in prayer. Is there someone or something that you used to pray for that at some point, for whatever reason, you stopped praying? Consider taking it up again and pressing on in prayer over that thing again. And then the final thing is this. Pray for everyone. Uh, great Christian leader John Wimber uh, once said, he, he's, he started these, uh, the Vineyard Churches and uh, they, he, they came into experience of praying for people and people being healed, but they didn't always do that. And, and he, he used to say, you know, it used to be that we would pray for nobody and nobody got healed. He says, now we pray for everybody and some people get healed. And there's mystery why, why some get healed, some don't. But encouragement to you and to me to pray for absolutely everybody and uh, leave the results uh, to God. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and just pray. Lord Jesus, um, we want to be men and women of the kingdom, and we want to proclaim the kingdom, (laughs) but we confess that we just don't have it in us to do that, and, and we need you to show up to give us...